The following program contains themes and images that may not be suitable for most audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Panda Pig Inc. Rate, review, and subscribe. Hello again. It's Panda. It's Pig. What's good? What's good? <laughs> Welcome back. Hey. How you doing? It's nice to see you. You see everyone? I mean, yeah. That's kind of scary. Mm, it's all right. Yeah. I mean, they're beautiful. I'd hope so. <laughs> this is weird because, like, we're staring at each other. <laughs> and usually we're not. We never see each other. Fun fact, guys. We never see each other. So now I'm, like, staring right into Big's eyeballs. But, but I just see one of your eyes. I know. <laughs> well, I hope you had a great week. I hope you all had a fabulous week. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes, amazing. <laughs> so here we are again. We find ourselves uh, watching another episode of Bones. And if you guys forgot, you're listening to The Heart of the Bones, yes. which I hope you have not forgotten. Mm-hmm. We've plastered everywhere. If you're randomly clicking on an episode to listen to, on this podcast, we watch episodes of Bones. Mm-hmm. We talk about it. Mm-hmm. We mostly fangirl over attractive men. Hashtag simp and swoon. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about a crime that's mm-hmm. nonfiction that relates to, to the, episode. the episode. It's more of like whatever Pig is reminded of in mm-hmm. the episode. Sometimes like, they're Ooh. very spot on or I can find something that was the direct inspiration for the episode. Mm-hmm. And other times I get creative. Yeah. Yeah, she does. Mm-hmm. And she will sometimes dig for stuff that maybe you probably have never heard of or maybe you heard mm-hmm. of before and you're just curious how, you know, we talk about it. Yeah, I think we've done a good job of picking um, unique mm. crimes to to learn about that you don't really see too often. I think so, too. So far, I've been shocked every single time, so... I'm doing my job. It's good. <laughs> it's good. All right. So this episode we watch The Girl in the Fridge. Oh, boy. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because I've rewatched the first season so much. I just get so hyped for, like, almost every episode so far. Except for the man in the SUV. And a boy in a bush. <laughs> a boy in a bush is sad, and we... I don't consider a man I mean, in the SUV canon. I was, I was pretty hyped about the boy in the bush. <laughs> that sounds so horrible. It was more the fact that Paul Butcher had no reason, had no, no business reason to glow up. To glow up. Like, who even are you? Yeah, Hello? that's true. That's true. For that singular version. Yes. You know. Other than that, yeah. I don't know. But did you figure out the writers for this one? Yes, but I have failed to pull them up, so un momento, por favor. It's okay. But just remember, guys, we are in episode eight. Mm -hmm. Hoot, hoot. So far. So far, we're making it pretty far. Hoot, hoot. Yes. (laughs) And (laughs) Make sure to um, follow us on social media again, guys. mm -hmm. Rate, review, subscribe. Something I find interesting is you really can tell that each episode is pretty much written and directed by a different person. Oh, God. They have different feels. Except for Hart Hansen. He popped up a couple times. Oh, yes. He's, um... He's fabulous. He's the next episode. 
Of course. Okay. So, (laughs) so this episode, the girl in the fridge was directed. No, it's written first. Yeah. No, directed, (laughs) directed by Sanford book staver. Oh, and written by Dana Cohen. Okay, I think I saw Sanford Bookstaver in the beginning, like when I was watching the episode, and I was like, that's an interesting last name. Mm-hmm. He also, um, or I assume he, <laughs> directs a later episode, The Woman in the Garden. Okay. So. Sounds good. All right, let's dive into this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, All righty, so this episode, we, <clears throat> excuse me. This episode, we dive more into the criminal procedure side of the criminal justice system, Mm -hmm. the court system. Um, A young girl named Maggie Schilling is murdered, found in a fridge. They find her. Bones' long-lost ex-lover slash ex professor shows up and um the shysty little devil turns out to be the expert witness for the defense disgusting for (laughs) for the criminals that they believe committed the crime get them away throw them away and that's kind of what this episode is about there's a lot of struggle on the personal level Mm -hmm. and then struggle on the professional level yeah pretty much Mm mm-hmm so. so the episode opens up. <laughs> We've got Angela and Bones in the bone room. Yep. And uh, Angela's discussing her recent sexual escapades. And it's so funny because you got, because literally she keeps talking and Bones is like, Angela, I'm trying to piece together a skull. <laughs> and Angela's like, you're doing a great job. So anyways. <laughs> I was just like, yes. It's yes. It so sounds so about right, though. That's literally their relationship. Oh, yeah. But then it moves on to, like, you know, Zach comes in, and he's, like, interrupting about, like, there's an informant that their paper is going to be published, yep. and apparently Bones is like, yeah, this is worthy of an interruption. Yeah, but, but he, goes in, he goes in <laughs> for a fist bump, and she totally leaves him hanging. That was, so, or before that, what was catching my attention is how this camera dude is literally going in circles in the room. I'm like, dude! Pick an angle. Stop going in circles. And then I see the hanging fist bump, and I'm like, "Dang, they're trying My to get unique with their." C- <laughs> they're trying to get unique with their cinematography. Okay. Yeah, I mean, clearly they missed the mark. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I, that part was really cute. Mm-hmm. Poor, poor guy left yeah. hanging. <laughs> um, and so. Hodgins, uh, Hodgins in. walks in and he's got this package. Now, it was it like a mug or like a teapot? I I honestly couldn't really see. <clears throat> I, I didn't know what to think it was. I had so many thoughts. I'm like, what even is that? But basically, she opens this package that Hodgins brings in. It has like a little bow on it, and he's basically he said, um, whoever like whatever's inside, you'll know who it's from, and mm-hmm. whatever it was. She just kind of dropped everything and literally walked straight out of the bone room, and she knew exactly who she was going to see, and mm-hmm. it's the damn professor, Michael Stiers. And he's standing, like, on the upper level in the lounge, mm-hmm. 
and <laughs> they're like talking about like, oh, you come up here. No, you come down here. Let's meet halfway. Technically, technically, they didn't meet halfway. He came down to her. He mm-hmm. came down the stairs. I feel like halfway would have been on the that's, stairs. That's foreshadowing. <laughs> he comes down to her. Okay, you went to he thinks he's so that. high in mind. I get I get a little like eleventh grade English lit on this episode. Oh, I believe it because gosh, do we have a lot to say about his mm. I, I despise this man with a yes. passion. But um so while they're talking, you see Angela, Zach, and Hodgins, they kind of like they're like watching because they're like, oh we gotta see this. What is this? Who is this man? Mm-hmm. And Angela's like, I think that's Michael Styers. And she's explaining to Zach and Hodgins, like, oh, this is Brennan's old professor. And Zach brings up how she's his professor, and immediately Angela and Hodgins are like, No. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Zach's attitude in this episode brings me back to when you brought up in the first... I can't stop staring at you. <laughs> I know, this is very strange. This is weird. We might have to have a new setup where we talk facing each other, because that's how we normally talk. Yeah, but right now, all I see is one eye and just scaring the just, crap out of me. Just one. Just one? <laughs> two or one. Um, so it reminded me of the first episode where... Um, Panda was talking about how she, how Bones and Zach were flirting. And I was like, okay, Panda gets justification here. Yes, because here Zach is just like, um, she's my professor. So it only makes sense. Yes, and then they're like, no, no. but no, Don't even think about it. But also, like, <laughs> are you familiar with the phrase Hallmark Hot and what it means? What? Hallmark Hot. Hallmark hot? Yes. Like Hallmark movies? I know what Hallmark movies are, but hot? Yes. So the idea of Hallmark hot means that the person in really any other context just looks like an average person. But in the context of of a Hallmark movie, they're like the male lead and they're seen as like super attractive. But they're totally not. But they're really not. In any other context, they're not. Right? So I (laughs) feel like the professor is Hallmark hot. He's so we're not hot. We're told at all. that we're supposed to find him attractive yes, and interesting, but he's totally not. But I'm looking at him. I'm like, no, sir. Or maybe he's just—he's just not our cup of tea. But I mean, we're, I don't even think he's tea. We're not really very picky, but there's just something about him. We're just like, mm. no, he's diluted orange juice. Yeah, he's not even tea like that. Yeah, like that. <laughs> exactly like that. But it also—it could be the characterization. You know, I'm not going to hate on him. Yeah, you will. You're literally about to chew. Him I'm not gonna hate out. on the real man. I'm okay. just gonna hate on the character. You're, you're gonna hate the character. You're gonna literally tear his character apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so while they're talking, Booth shows up, and it's a fridge. He's like hauling a fridge in, and he's like, "Bones, I got a present for you." Because mm-hmm. he's just like, you know. I'm not trying to mess with this, because if I open it, you're going to say that I mess with the evidence, so I brought it here mm-hmm. for you. It brings on the long-standing trope of, pack it up and let's take it to the lab. That's pretty much what it is. It's kind of like showing how Booth gets it. He knows exactly what Bones wants, so he's like, mm-hmm. here you go. Here it is. And I, fr- I, I swear Hodgins made a comment, but 
I don't know why it just randomly popped in my head. He said something about like a toaster oven. And I was like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? I have no idea. I think I think he was trying to make a joke of the fact that they brought the whole fridge in and that a toaster a wow, a toaster oven would complete a kitchen. Oh, you know? That makes sense. Like, oh, you got a fridge. All we need is all we need is a toaster oven. Why not an oven? I don't know. He's so extra. That, I'm, like that's that, that's me trying to make it make sense. I, it's kind of a stretch, but that's that's me trying to make it make sense. I mean, I'm, I don't blame you. So Bones opens it up, right? Yes. And after they open the fridge, you see um, there's a deteriorated body. Mm-hmm. But this is the part Zach brings up again. Like he's like, so. She was his student. Like, he's referring to Bones to being Michael's student again. Yep. And he's like, now I'm her student. So it only stands to reason. (laughs) Exactly. But Hodgins immediately shuts it down. He's like, it ain't gonna happen, Zacho. Mm-hmm. Like. (laughs) Yeah, don't even think about it, my friend. Come on. But it's so funny how casually Bones is examining. He's, like, telling each of... She's telling each of them, like, okay, you do this. This is what this is about. This is what this is about. And, Michael, you can pick me up at this time. Like, what? <laughs> I'll give you my address. Here you go, blah, blah. We love someone who can delegate tasks. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yes, just being able to multitask and delegate. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's why That's She's a why queen. she has the job that she has. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, um, scene. so later on, Angela provides the sketch of the victim, but Bones already ID'd her based on... Um, dental records. Lack it's... of communication. <laughs> what do you mean? Because I feel like you could have told Angela, like, hey, we already, like, ID'd her, so you don't have to go through the work of, like, sketching this face True. out. So you kind of, like, made her waste some time that she could have used. I but didn't think about she, that. She, uses the, she used the drawing later, but I was like, you really could have told her, like, hey, we already ID'd the victim, so you don't need to draw anything or whatever. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. Yeah, because that's what they usually do, is they want her to ID it and they match it. Yeah, that's true. So, that's true. So, Bones it's and Maggie Angela. Schilling. <laughs> so, it's Maggie Schilling, and mm-hmm. Bones and Angela kind of start to discuss Michael, Bones's former professor. Yeah. And Bones assures that the relationship is platonic, Bleh. but Angela is neither dumb nor blind. <laughs> and um, then Bones goes to Booth's office. For um, she should just stay in there <laughs> to to provide him the identification, and um, Booth lets Bones know from looking her up that she went missing about eleven months ago. She was kidnapped for ransom, and the negotiations dragged on. But then eventually, like contact stopped. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of where we're left off. And yeah. then Bones lets Booth know that. She's got a date. Because he's like, you know, like, oh, I'm going to call you later or something like that. Or you call me later. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I'm actually not going to be working tonight. I have a date. Blah, blah, blah. The first first half of this episode, it's really interesting because Bones is absolutely adorable. Yes. Like, she's very, when it comes to her actually being with or talking about Michael, she's very lighthearted and seems, like, giddy at the She's concept. totally gaga for him, but he's so not it, cute, but she's so for him. But it's it's very sweet. You can tell there's kind of this 
competition, but on Bones End, it feels very um, like a you know, like without a malice, like it's very playful. So it's, like it's exciting, not serious, but then but know. it doesn't seem like that's to him. Mm-hmm. And um, but overall, I feel like. It's interesting how she's so aware of, like, customs and things anthropologically. Yeah. But then when it comes to, like, real life interpersonal relationships, she's like, what's a fist bump? You know? And yeah. it's like, anthropologically speaking, you could probably tell me what a fist bump is. There's a couple things. Like, I feel like there's some stuff here. I'm just like, really, Bones? Right. I just... <laughs> but from seeing her being, like, all giddy, I feel mm-hmm. like deep down she really does understand it, but she just uses it as a defense mechanism to keep her distance between people. That's an interesting theory. Because clearly she understands by getting excited about her date. But she doesn't always choose to participate. Mm -hmm. And she seems so excited to tell Booth, too. And Booth was, like, clearly disappointed. Yeah. He's just like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Especially because the last episode, they talked so much about, like, your personal life, what you do on the weekends, whatever. Mm. And now it's Bones' turn to have a personal personal life this episode personal (laughs) personal we all know my brain and my mouth do not operate on the same wavelength (laughs) it's okay we get bloopers out of it and it's live (laughs) it's live live bloopers coming to your ears we continue to the professor michael just being gross he's so gross and he's so sus yeah and when I say gross and sus, I'm talking about his personality. Yes. Obviously, we talked about my thoughts on his attractiveness. Yes. But anyways. So the scene. Bones and Michael are studying um, the human anatomy mm-hmm. instead of going to dinner. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bones. That's kind of the first time we really see like a scene like that from yeah. Bones, isn't it? I think the raciest it got was. was like when we saw Tessa. Yeah. That was really it. And, like, Booth was, like, shirtless. Yeah. But that was really it. We get full-on naked back in this scene. Yes, and it's Bones' naked Mm -hmm. bare back. We're like, whoa. Like, okay, girl. Okay. Is this who we are? Okay. (laughs) Is this who we are? (laughs) So Bones asserts to him that this is just recreational. Mm -hmm. And then... um, Clearly, he's kind of looking for a job, and he's, like, shopping around. Yeah. And randomly, he, like, calls attention to the case that she's working on. Well, you have to also remember, Bones was also, like, offering for him to work at the Jeffersonian. And he was saying he doesn't want to work for his former student. His whole tone Mm -hmm. is condescending to her confidence. Yes. Like, any time... And I'll and I'll reference this again. Anytime something could technically perceive be perceived as a compliment, mm-hmm. from him it sounds like it's a dig. Yes. Like when he first sees her, he's like, always the confident Brennan. Yeah. You know. So it's like it she's finding it endearing, but it's very common. Like she's taking it as playful, but he's clearly serious. Almost trying to knock her down a peg. Oh yeah, for sure. It just but- rubs me the wrong way. And yeah. also, and also, I like bones sheets. <laughs> Me too. They look very comfortable. They're pretty. But so you know how like he's like you know I don't want to be like my students um, 
you know, employee. I don't want to be my student's employee. Like, he thinks it's weird. Mm-hmm. Brennan brings up how, like, you know, she can't help it if she's usually right. She says something along those lines not too long after. And that's when he goes into being sus and he decides to just randomly ask if Brennan closed the case on the girl in the refrigerator. Right. And, and it like, wasn't like, oh, that's interesting. It was like, oh, so you're always right. Have you even closed that case? Like, bruh. Like a very... Man- he's a very manipulative person. What me. made you think, huh? Always right. Closed case, right? Mm-hmm. Huh? Because he's trying to dig at her. Yeah. Because he knows this is going to be a difficult case. And so, because that, his If you ego haven't seen this burned, before, you probably see like, oh, you didn't realize he has something yeah. to do with this. So yes. we're just like, what are you mm-hmm. doing, bro? He, it's weird. Without knowing that he's eventually going to be working for the defense. Yes. It just feels like such a... A strange tone shift. Yes. But I take it as him being insecure and his ego's bruised because he knows she's smarter than him. And so he tries to bring up something where she may not be as smart as him. I saw it more like a tactic of like dark psychology of like, you know, manipulation. Yeah, exactly. Like he brought it up, but he was able to still like, he didn't have to say anything after. So she ended up talking more about it. Even so, though he didn't like ask he's her. he's deflecting? Kind of. Like, it's like... statement? It's like he brought... She brought up, you know, the case. Like, he said it. He mm-hmm. brought it up to her. Like, did you solve it? Right. And then she said something. Then they technically moved on. Mm-hmm. But she went back to it because of how she emotionally felt. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's some dark psychology, bro. Mm-hmm. You just manipulated her. Yeah, I have more thoughts on that throughout this episode. Oh, I believe it. Does. I totally believe it. Yes. <laughs> or maybe maybe I'm blowing the un- things out of proportion. <laughs> so, anyways, they make it back to the lab late, I might add. Back and um, Michael gets a protective glare from Hodgins and Zach. It is so funny. It's like the, uh, like almost like protective brothers. Yes. Because they have their arms crossed. Like the moment Bones steps on They're the They're studying him. They literally <laughs> just cross their arms, look at him like, mm-hmm. mm, look at assessing him. Yeah, like you're her professor. And he was like, she was 23. She's an adult. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, Zach's going to bring it up again. Yeah. And I'm not sure how old he's supposed to be because he said that Bones was 23. So I'm assuming he's got to be like 10 years older. What I do you for- think? I feel like they said it at one point, but I completely forgot. I mm. completely forgot, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I feel like he's got to be at least 10 years older. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. So for sure. Um, he's they, she brought him along because he's interested, obviously, in the of case. their equipment of their equipment. That's right. That's right. Like, what the hell? (laughs) So Bones starts looking at the stuff, and immediately he's challenging her theories. Yeah. And even, like, everyone can see the tension, and Hodgins is like, okay, let's talk about my goopy stuff now. Like, that's Mm -hmm. my cue. Also, when the the guys and and Angela, and they say that... after Michael leaves, Bones looks at them and she's like, is it so weird to see me with a man? And they all nod at the same time like, yes. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's my future. <laughs> like, that's exactly my future. Oh, Don't even no. tell me that I'm wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> You're not. It, it's like, it's like, it's, it's true though. It's like, okay, it wouldn't be odd. But at the same time, it would be odd because of how you'd be about it. Because it's just like, who even are you? Are you the same person? What do you mean how I would be? 
Because you'd completely change. Your aura would oh. completely change. You'd be like a bone situation. I'd be Twitter-pated. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I can deal with that. Mm-hmm. I can deal with that. So, <laughs> but again, he immediately goes back to challenging her, which in any other, any other person doing this would seem normal. Yeah. But he seems t- um, insistent on contradicting any theory she has. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly annoying. Yeah. And he's so subtle about it, which to me makes him more conniving. Yes, completely. And, and then how he's just casually like, oh, sorry, I gotta go. I'll catch mm-hmm. you later. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's kind of mostly my thoughts on that scene. But Sus. Zach and Hodgins make it better. They always do. Because even when they talked about, like, Zach was trying to bring up the whole, you know, I'm the student again. Yes, he did. But this time, um, Michael clear. took it as like, <laughs> like I'm not interested. And he's like, I wasn't talking about, about you. <laughs> I was talking about Brendan. Also, Angela was funny when um, Michael said he made frittata. And she was like, oh my gosh, oh, he cooks too. Can we share, share him? <laughs> and I'm like, no, Angela, you don't want You don't that. want a piece of that. <laughs> you can do much better. And you yes. and you do. And you do. In the future. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very proud of you. So they go and they see um, Maggie's, family. Maggie's family, Bones and Booth. And they learn how Maggie was kind of a rebellious teen. She was, um, her parents are largely absent in her life and development. She was kind of raised by nannies. Nannies. Um, and if there was something wrong, they just sent her to doctors. If right. she was having problems, sent her to tutors, mm-hmm. like anything, like any type of doctor, instructor, teacher, She they just shipped her to, basically. Yep. She was abusing substances, but she also had a medical condition. She had thyroid problems, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't require you know, narcotics or opiates or whatever. And the parents... In their situation, it was, was it hospital heroin? That yeah. was the specific one that Hydro- they were trying oh, to afford. Hydromorphone? I don't know. The I think it was hydromorphone. I just remember it was, they said hospital heroin. Mm-hmm. And her parents are, like, completely oblivious to her life. Yes. And they, of the, potentially, if she took any hydromorphone, and they kind of direct her to go talk to direct them to go talk to her endocrinologist. Mm -hmm. So, like, the mom clearly seems self-aware to kind of how they failed Maggie. But I can't feel like, I can't help but feel like even with the news that their daughter's dead, they don't seem to care all that much. You know what they don't care about is following instructions. Que pasó? Because literally Bones asks the mom for pictures of Maggie swimming or dancing <laughs> and the mom was like how did you know blah 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 and she was like okay i'll get you some pictures she opens the photo album she gives Just a picture of Bones face. <laughs> pictures of her face like three pictures of her face dude i didn't even catch that dude even in like the trial when you see the pictures you see all the bones and stuff and all you see is still the picture of the face like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's just lazy continuity they That's don't follow funny. directions. <laughs> they don't pay attention. Yeah. Like, I'm not... Not only I'm, to their daughter, but obviously to instruction. I'm sure it wasn't on purpose that they come off so, kind of so cold and distant to me. Yeah. But even with, like, the time they've had to grieve, because technically she's been disappeared for the last 11 months, mm-hmm. they seem to be more bothered than anything. What kind of bothered? Like, irritated or bothered? Like, dang, like, we just failed bothered like we failed and 
Like, this is it? Like, like dang. The dad specifically oh. doesn't feel like he's taken any responsibility. Oh, yeah, for sure. The mom's the only one who seems a little bit like, oh, my gosh, She just this seems is emotionally fault. exhausted. Yes, but it's like, you know, be like that sometimes. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Very. All these characters are just like, who even are you? (laughs) Right. Maggie's poor life. So they go to see the endocrinologist. And he was aware that Maggie had problems with addiction. Mm -hmm. And she even bribed his former (laughs) office manager for opiate samples. Yeah. Um, so they go and speak to the former, the former office manager, <laughs> which I find crazy that she was even an office manager, but then she brings up later how it was right. sexual favors that she says that she claims that she that claims. I think their names favors. are Mary and Scott Costello. I don't I remember their last names are Costello. I thought it was like Joe. No. Was it? I don't no. know. I don't give a- I just remember Costello's. Yeah, so the That's Costello's. They talked to them. They were close with Maggie. They took her in. Um, Booth dips away to the kitchen and pushes <laughs> the fridge back slightly. Is he allowed to do that? Like, kind of mess around with Dude, stuff? Dude, I feel like no. It feels wrong. I like- feel like I feel like he could have achieved, achieved the exact same thing without moving the fridge at all. So if he suspects that they got a new fridge... Technically, he didn't even need to move it because they didn't see him move the fridge at all, if you noticed. he well, just the guy was just watching. I don't watching know if he caught him. him. But it doesn't look like he saw him move the fridge. He saw him assessing the fridge. Yeah. So literally, if Booth walked in there, said the exact same thing, having never touched the fridge, I feel like I f- it would have happened the but same But then way. again, it's, it's movie magic. We need yeah. um, the visual evidence. Like, before Booth accuses, you don't want audience to be like what makes you think it's a different fridge blah 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 <laughs> true true so, true you know so movie match <laughs> so they do a search on the home and they find some handcuffs um that seem consistent with Pink the stretch fra- stress handcuffs stress fractures it's on more Maggie's like wrist. um for like dominance mm-hmm. s&m bdsm yeah so because they had a fun basement yeah, so mm-hmm. when Boone, when Boone's, <laughs> good God, woman, get yourself together. <laughs> when Bones and Booth are discussing, like, play and sex, I feel like Booth is so close-minded. Yeah. Like, like I was like, so dude. so close-minded. Like, 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 what a superiority, superiority complex to think that because other people have more interesting or unique sex lives that it's inferior it's because because, oh their sex life dies down it's like it's not always that but it what got me too is like how he was basically just kind of confused with like bones because she's like agreeing with him right you know like it's, <laughs> like it's like it, it's be good blah 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 <laughs> well gami is how he was just so surprised like how she wouldn't be like because i guess she was kind of implying that she's more even in bed mm-hmm. i guess like she's not as dominant as she seems and he was like are you sure because you're really bossy yes <laughs> And Wakami is, after that, did you notice how she just casually whips his shoulder with one yeah, of the little whips? with evidence. I'm like, like girl, that's evidence. Yes. What is you doing? I was like, huh? But it was still funny, but I was it like, was dude. Funny. And then how he exchange. grabs, like, the handcuffs. I'm like, are you guys even wearing gloves? No, no. 
no regard. But Booth Booth kills me in this episode. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I was like, Booth, come on now. Relax. <laughs> Just because don't yuck someone else's yum. Yeah. I mean, even when like the they were taking Wow, I lost the words. They were taking the Costellos away. Am I rubbing off on you? <laughs> yes. They're taking the Costellos away. And you even see like they're kind of smirking and smiling when they're when they have their toys and stuff. And he's like, Oh yeah, look at them. They're smiling. Blah blah blah. They like this stuff. And I'm they're like They're just messing with you, dude. And yeah. this stuff that they have seems pretty vanilla anyway. Like it's just like I don't really see anything crazy crazy. I mean, yeah. No. You know. Anyways, it just seems they're trying to sensationalize. The first the thing story. I thought of was like 365. 365. <laughs> if they had the. The movie? The, oh, no. The, <laughs> oh, no, no. Then that'd no, be a no, different no. level. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't ever watch that movie. <laughs> Are you lost, baby girl? <laughs> Are you lost, baby girl? <laughs> Oh man, this is it's a terrible movie. Why okay. did why did that movie get made? I don't know. <laughs> so they go to the interrogation room where you see once again that um Booth is using his only tactic statements. <laughs> I'll never look at this ever the same <laughs> when he interrogates people. <laughs> yeah, so basically he proposes the scenario. All the statements that the Costellos kept Maggie for ransom and on drugs in the fridge and Mm. then accidentally let her overdose. Um, The attorney specifically clarifies that there's no direct evidence tying the Costellos to the murder. Mm -hmm. Um, This episode is just full of people I hate. Like, I hate Michael and I hate the Costellos just as much. (laughs) You know, what was the guy who's, like, the attorney? Yeah. You like how he's just, like, he keeps saying they, 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 when there's only one of them. Mm-hmm. It's just the chick in there. And I'm like, dude, what, did they not have the budget to add right. in the other guy in here? Or are maybe. you not allowed to interrogate he literally, both of them at the same time? He, maybe it was a budget thing, because I think he only has, like, one line, and that was when they were at the house. Maybe it was a budget thing. Because <laughs> all the time, he doesn't talk. You just see his face. Mm-hmm. So. This is true. This is true. Maybe he can't act. So then Bones drags Michael um, back to the lab to prove how Maggie was bound uh, involuntarily. Yeah. So they, um, from the evidence, it looks like her legs were bound together and that the bone deterioration and inflammation happened over a period of time mm-hmm. and then they go to the angulator to run a simulation to show it and because then, michael is literally fighting mm-hmm. bones on it and then he finally gives you yeah. know and something i found interesting they were like oh well if her legs are bound together clearly it wasn't sexual i'm like mm, i mean you don't know that like just because someone's legs are bound doesn't mean they couldn't have been having a sexual moment. To me, what's more telling is the fact that it showed bone deterioration over a period of time. Yeah. To me, that makes more sense. Mm. My more of my focus kind of went, so you know, like they're running the simulation at the angulator. Mm-hmm. You like how in Bo- Booth kind of leans over Bones' mm-hmm. shoulder like, you winning, right? <laughs> and they both give each other like a look of approval. And I'm like, I so there's so hard. There's so much to this whole thing. So when they're on the platform earlier than that, when oh, yeah, yeah, Booth yeah. and my girl on the platform, you can see they're very different. I'm, gonna, I'm like armchair psychologist here. Mm-hmm. You see their very different attitudes towards 
bones. So and how they goals, view her and like yeah. their respective level towards her. Yes. You so could so see Booth, it just in their exchange. Booth is saying something like, um, "She's great, isn't she?" And like a compliment. Yes. And Michael's inclination is to say, "Yeah, but she's cocky." So gives her a compliment, tries to bring down that compliment. Exactly. Right? And then Booth is like, "Yeah." But he's, like, sighing when he <laughs> says it, and they're both, like, staring at her. He's, like, she's a little cocky, and Booth's, like, yeah. But but it's <laughs> funny, because when you look at the ways they look at her, like, <clears throat> you see, like, the way Michael looks at her, and it's just kind of like he's, like, you know, analyzing her. Yes. Like, very much, like, critiquing her. But with Booth, it's, like, with more, like, adoration. Yes. Like, he's just, like... I adore you. I don't know what it is about this episode where he was just, like, completely adoring her. Everything she did. He was always behind her back back this Mm -hmm. entire time. Yes. I don't know what it was for this episode. Like, what was it they were trying to accomplish? Is it because... Yes. Because it's like, yeah, he was uncomfortable and jealous with this guy. But at the same time, he was always supporting Bones all the way. Just to make sure she was happy. I think... What we get distracted from is that Bones was on fire this episode. Mm -hmm. She kind of figured out everything correctly, but Michael was fighting that. So we couldn't really focus on the fact that Bones was being brilliant, but Booth was seeing she was being brilliant. And he was just so happy about it, yeah. And and if you notice, a common theme with Bones is that the B-plot will oftentimes run similar theme to the crime so with this one there's that dominant submissive relationship at play with the crime but then there's also the struggle for dominance between bones and michael yeah so very interesting (sighs) overall michael sucks and i literally (laughs) have screw michael on my (laughs) when the moment you're talking about before when um booth looks at her he's like we're winning right also if you notice when bones is saying that you know she's clearly one and she's like okay um michael's like okay well let's go out to dinner she's like well i have to get the evidence to booth first booth like straightens up his tie and puffs out his chest like yeah she's talking about me that's me and then bones leaves him hanging again with the the fist fist bump bump. that's the second time this episode she just looks at it he's just like oh no oh oh okay you're just going to leave me hanging. Right. All right. <laughs> right. So then we go up to the lounge and Angela's talking to Bones. Yeah. And she's basically trying to give her advice, saying that there's clearly this competitive tension between Bones and Michael. And, and that Bones is just okay. not picking up on it. <laughs> yeah. Booth then comes up while they're having this conversation. Well, also you want to explain is the reason why Angela's trying to explain that too is like he's technically supposed to be her superior right. because he was her professor and he's supposed to be a male and she brought up the whole males don't like to be yeah. taken down. Like you take their manlyhood away yeah. from so them type of thing. Based on their intelligence. Yeah. Angela, this is her second time giving great advice because she gave great advice to Zach when it came mm-hmm. to the Naomi situation. Gosh, we don't like Naomi. And basically, we never even right. see her again. No, we throw her under the bus. I think we're holding on to Naomi harder than the series ever. Went. I think it's because, like, I moment I remembered her, I was like, "All right, I, I'm just going to throw this girl under the I bus know. for like, hurting we, Zach." She didn't even have any speaking parts, but I'm so she angry didn't. with her. We barely even saw her face. Right. So, <laughs> but uh. 
But Angela is absolutely right. It's all about communication. Bones mm-hmm. is completely oblivious that Michael has clear insecurities and doesn't know how to be proud of Bones at the same time. Yep. And like, obviously, humans are varied and unique. But as a collective, on average, we tend to act a certain way. Yeah. And men and diff- men and women, on average, can be pretty similar. But also, on average, we can have distinct differences. Yeah. So Angela here, we see she's saying how, on average, men don't like to be shown up like this and don't like having their egos bruised, which mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. She's being observant. But she's not saying that, like, Bones should tone herself down. And it's she's, not like she's, like, disrespecting no, him. No. She's literally just fact-checking him. Yes. All Angela's saying is that He's Bones not cool should be it. aware that mm-hmm. Michael is insecure and talk to him about it. Yeah. But she, here, Bones, she's just like, oh, no, our relationship is just platonic with science. Like, mm-hmm. girl. And then Booth comes up and says that Michael is actually the expert witness for the defense, and that Bones should stop sharing information about the case with him. Dun, dun, dun. Honestly, Booth is, like, the MVP for literally informing Bones that, Mm -hmm. like, hey, how much information have you been sharing? Because you shouldn't be doing that no more. And honestly, I don't feel like she should have been sharing that stuff about the case with him in the first place. But I feel like it's because she thought, like, you know, he's her teacher. A lot of times, like, they... If... This is just... Mm, movie magic dude movie magic yeah. there's and a lot of times the show kind of does that where they talk about the case where it probably with someone they probably shouldn't yes yeah so it's I'm like not, I'm not I'm not familiar with the protocol here of what the, their confidentiality rules are yeah. but to me in my understanding of what I would think is I would think that Bones would be prohibited from sharing that kind of information with anybody Regardless. unless he was a consultant as well well what also got me too is how like how he is literally allowed in there, and he is basically hands-on, yep. a part of it, but he's judging. I was just like, what? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think the key thing when Booth was, you know, being the MVP, right? what he was, the key thing he said, in my opinion, was like, he goes, Bones, stop sharing information with him, because his job is to tear your case that you built apart. Like, and literally, that's what he does for this whole episode. He tries to tear her case apart and tries to tear her apart, basically. Because he's just like, hmm, let me take you down a couple notches. So now, in this next scene, we get into the tea of it. We get into some juicy stuff. Mm -hmm. So Michael and Bones go to dinner. And Mm -hmm. Bones confronts him on basically spying on her. And he's like, oh, I'm new to all this. And he's like, liar. And he's like, I'm entitled to know everything anyway because I work for the defense. Mm. And Bones puts him in his place like, okay, yeah, but But you're not. You should have told me. You're not entitled to my process. You're only entitled to the facts. And this is kind of a betrayal of trust. Oh, it totally is. But, you know, she still is kind of being lighthearted about it. She's forgiving him, basically, being very forgiving. Yes. And if you notice, I'm going to, again, armchair psychologist. He, it feels so pathological and manipulative. So he spends the first part of the episode trying to tear her down. Like, you're cocky. You're jumping to conclusions based on opinions. Right? Always the confident Brennan. Right. But then here, he's like, he cowers back because he's been caught. And he's like, oh, I'm new to this. I don't know how to do this. You're the teacher here. And I'm like, ooh. 
this man right and how he would literally just keep manipulating her like she's like i think you need to go stay at the hotel he goes do i have to do that tonight or can i get another bottle of wine for us she goes i guess we could do another yeah you could do that tomorrow like come on basically they got to finish the dinner and a little vodio dodo and then (laughs) gone yeah he sucks he really does Mm-hmm. Such mm-hmm. a jackass. <laughs> so so he did. So it, it just gets worse with it him. It gets progressively worse. And I think that's why I'm so heated because I'll get into it later. I'll get into it later. Alrighty. He's a so then villain in one episode. So Michael comes he's the real villain. <laughs> he's the real villain this whole case. So now, as widely known as the expert witness for the defense. He comes to observe and look at the evidence mm-hmm. and instead just critiques Bones' findings and implies that she's following opinions instead of basing everything on facts. And it's so insulting, dude, because he red-penned her. And if you guys don't know what that means, like, if you were in school, usually schools, the teachers, majority of the time, they use red pens to correct errors. Mm-hmm. And Michael did exactly that to Brennan with her findings. Yep. And I'm just like, dude, dude. But you got to give kudos to the background where you have, like, oh, yes. Booth is coming in, like, what's going on? You got Dr. Goodman on it. Mm-hmm. He's literally watching him. He's yes. standing up. Whenever he needs to, you have Zach and Hodgins yes. recording. So something specific. So I watched this episode with my sister, and we were dying. I kept rewinding this part over and over again because Why? I love it. So obviously it everyone, thumbs up? everyone's in the background. No, no, no. It's not okay. even that. But yes, yes and no. Okay. So Zach's recording. You know, Booth shows them the approval. He's like, yeah, good job. Thumbs up, right? Mm-hmm. But when Bones stands up for herself... And Michael is walking out. You see Booth in the background mouthing, get out, and smiling. I didn't see that. I was too focused on the yes. fact her face. It's so like, funny. I was too focused, like, when right before Michael was leaving, like, her face had a little smile. Uh-huh. But then the next frame, her face was different so that's uh-huh. what i was focusing like on. he's he's clearly in the I background and you just see that he's Dude. so cocky about it it's so great i kept oh, rewinding it it's so great but then oh, like this like i said this episode booth just gives it to me oh you're talking about when he was being her cheerleader yes. after he left so then when he and bones are walking away and he says, that's my girl, and that wink? Yes. Girl. The, the reason why he said that to you is because he, he basically was like, the nutty professor graded your paper, and how he was, you know, because Booth is like, I was always happy with a B, and Bones is like, I never had a B, and I never will. And he's like, that's my girl. And then, that's like, my girl. But the face and yes. the wink, I recorded it. I oh screamed. Like, okay, I apologize. Again, something is swooning over Booth. Like, Oh my gosh. But it he's so bringing good. it for me this episode. Come on now. He's like literally now. her cheerleader, number yes. one fan. He's behind. so precious. Like, you don't really see as much of the jealousy. It's more of like full on support, support for Brennan and backing her up. And I feel like whenever that was people try to break her down. That was very intentional because Michael comes for her hard this episode. Yeah, Michael keeps breaking her down. I think it's good that you have Booth being that strong support that you know, cheers her on. It's like, you got this, you got this. And you could see she feeds off of it later, mm-hmm. too. I think it's because before, obviously she hasn't been around Michael in years, but yeah. he's a reminder of 
who her support was in the past when and she was an academic and yep. how he gassed her up because she was a young, intelligent student. And now she's got her own support system, her own family, and they've got her back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But even, um, so in the next scene, even then, Booth had Bones' back when they dealt with the damn jury consultant, yes. dude. So they meet with the AUSA and the jury consultant. AUSA means assistant um, United attorney. States attorney. And the jury consultant is supposed to help them be more personable on the stand. And they clearly see that Michael has an advantage on mm-hmm. being personable. Dude, literally what caught me is how the, if you see when they literally introduce each other, the jury consultant, which is the chick, she's so fake. Did you see how big that smile was when you first see her and you're just like, oh, she looks like a nice lady. Then she drops the bomb on her. Like, dude. I think she's just showing her skills. Yes. But even Booth gets offended for Bones. Like, he's like, you. he looks at her like, you did not Mm -hmm. just say that, dude. Now, I've never met a jury consultant, but the the things that she brings up are very true. Mm -hmm. I believe that, though. It's just she didn't have to do it like that. You didn't have to go so hard. Like, everyone's coming down on Bones. Mm -hmm. Like, what is the deal? Yeah. But But she's keeping her up spirit, though. But Bones is also very stubborn. Mm-hmm. So the jury, juries are made up of adri- average people. So as an expert witness, you have to toe the line between being accurate, mm-hmm. but also being understandable. Yes. Because you can be speaking facts all day long and a defendant could be convicted or acquitted for right or for wrong, be- simply because the jury is lost by you. Yeah. And depending on, you know, the court jurisdiction, the language, the atmosphere, it can be more formal or informal. Like, it, it really varies. Mm-hmm. But you'd be surprised at how attorneys present themselves in cases, <laughs> you know, oh, to, wow. in front of juries. But just in general, like, she's right. It's all about perception. Because the jury are, they're just regular people. Mm-hmm. And if they can't understand you, what do you expect to happen? Exactly. But, so, like, when they leave, when, you know, the U.S. attorney and the jury consultant leaves, like, you know, Bones is just like, what the heck? But, you know, Booth is trying to ask her, like, he's leveling with her. Like, you have to understand, like, jury consultant is an expert, Mm -hmm. but with a personality disorder. Yes. And he's just like, you know, just try. And Bones is like, I will try. You know, like, I'll I'll do it. I will do it. I can do it type of thing. Thank you for juxtaposing the awfulness of her relationship (laughs) with Michael with the amazingness of her relationship with literally anyone else. Your pause. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. So now, now we're at the trial, right? Yikes. So Booth, Hodgins, and Angela, they all present evidence. And then it's clearly different when they have bones on the stand and she does not hold the attention of the viewers the way everyone else does Mm -hmm. because with booth he's so smooth he says stuff he probably shouldn't say they keep stopping him but he still gets away with it they find Mm -hmm. him charming and then with hodgins he still makes sense you like how he got excited talking about his stuff he was so cute and he was even (laughs) smiling the moment he says bread mold yes but then he had to wipe that smile away like I shouldn't be smiling about bread mold. I should not. <laughs> and of course, you know, Angela always knows how to be like, very, she knows how to relate when it comes mm-hmm. to situations like this. She brought her yeah. drawing along, so mm-hmm. I guess it came in handy. Yeah. But when it came to bones, 
Yeah. So So what she tries to tell the jury is that Maggie was in the fridge for 10 to 12 months and her bones were broken because she was bound. Mm-hmm. And, um, and as a result of her, her testify, her testimony, mm-hmm. the jury consultant rips her a new one. Yeah. And Booth tells Bones, you know, she was hard to follow. Yeah. You know? I, so here's my thing is I appreciate, you know, when Booth sticks up her bones, you know, he, mm-hmm. he's telling like the jury consultant that, you know, for people person too, like she's a little rude, so he stuck mm-hmm. up for her. But I blame movie magic a bit for mm. making Bones look that way on the stand. Because if you think about it, she is very capable of dumbing it down because she does it all the time with Booth. All the time. Mm-hmm. Think about all the times like Booth is like, what does that mean? She explains it simply. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, if you just had her talk as if she's talking to Booth. She could do it, but you know, movie magic—they up the antics. You know, I I agree with you and I disagree with mm-hmm. you. I think you're absolutely right in that she dumbs things down for Booth, mm-hmm. but I feel like she only dumbs things down for Booth. Yeah. So if maybe they had used that tacti- tactic and explained to her, talk to the jury like you're talking to Booth, yeah. she could comprehend that. But she doesn't have. A personal relationship with the jury that makes sense so maybe that's why i just felt like the reason i say movie magic too is because it's like you want more hard you want that movement that they show later motivation felt motivated movement where she says what she says Mm -hmm. and it made you feel something Mm -hmm. and i was like it was definitely for the purpose of plot yes and i felt like it could have been a combo like oh yeah maybe it's really because you know she does especially for booth Mm -hmm. but it's like i think it's also good because it's showing a moment where booth is disagreeing with bones because bones is right Mm -hmm. so much of the time yeah and a lot of the time with michael She's actually right, but he's making her feel wrong. You find so it she's crazy very confused. how this is the one time, besides the part where Michael's totally sc- scumbag, where we talk about that in the next scene, but mm-hmm. you like how when Booth totally did her wrong, that was what broke yes. her. That's so, what broke her spirit. Later on, absolutely. But in this yeah. moment, I like how he first, you know, validates her feelings that yes. the jury consultant sucks. Yes. And even though he hesitates, he tells her the truth. Yeah. He's like, look, being accurate with technical language doesn't mean, you know, that you're not being clear, but like. It's hard to follow you It's sometimes. hard to follow her. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's a tough situation, but I'm glad that he was honest with her. Yeah. Yeah. But, so then oh, Michael gosh. comes out and he Damn Michael. This is he puts her literally on a yo yo of emotions. And this is why I feel like he's an abusive person. Because <laughs> because he basically gives her the cold shoulder when she's trying to vent to him oh, as yeah, a friend. Totally. Yeah. So like at first in the beginning, she's trying to get him to show him the case, right? Because she's excited about it right right and then when it turns out he's the expert witness he's like oh let's be buddy buddy let's share but then now they're here in court and she's literally trying to confide in him not even about the case yeah and he's like like bones doesn't know where she stands like she feels so like okay you can see she's so emotionally frustrated because she can't reach out to michael 
because Who she's been talking to about this case the entire yes, time. And he's put her on a yo-yo, and then she feels slighted by her friends because she's like, "No one understands no me. One understands like, what am her. I supposed to do? I'm trying my best." This is such like such a rough moment. But dude, what Michael does to her, <sighs> he just gets worse, guys. In this scene, dude. Oh my gosh. So Michael gets on the stand and completely contradicts all of Bone's findings, saying that Maggie was just a sexually active drug addict that overdosed. He even states that Bones has a superiority complex about her intelligence and even suggests that her work as a forensic anthropologist is subpar. Because it was his student. She was his student. I am rage. Dude, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I'm not feeling this judge. No, me either. Me Because I like the judge from the last episode, but no. this judge is getting on my nerves. To I'm me, like, why are you letting stuff, certain things get away and now, the other stuff you're letting be hurt? What? You could just go on YouTube and you could see judges that would fly off the handle from this. Like, in in the next scene, they basically, the AUSA is like, oh, yeah, they chastised him. She did not chastise him. Mm-hmm. That's not chastising. She completely let him keep talking. But that, yeah. And, but she said, after that, she was like, you know, the jury will disregard what yeah, that does his nothing. personal thing. But I'm like, you still didn't stop him. No, that literally does nothing. If she wanted to chastise him, she could, like, She could have stopped him. Judges are a lot, can be a lot less formal than she makes it look. So yeah. I, I was livid here. But Michael but, just sucks monkey butt, dude. But if they're, oh my gosh. Also... Beyond the part of him being a crappy person, mm. if there was a scale of providing crappy, technical, inaccurate testimony and too technical <laughs> testimony, Michael and Bones are on each end of the spectrum. Yeah. Because he yeah. he's so conniving. Right. They're but like away. if you literally hear the words that he's saying <laughs> It's complete garbage. Just throw them away. We're like, okay, you're an expert witness. You're you're a forensic anthropologist. You're talking about the bones. And you're like, well, most drug overdoses are emotional. Okay, Mm. excuse me. Are you a psychologist? No. Thank you. Sit down. We're asking about the bones. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Just throw them away. Just throw them away. We don't need them. No, throw them away. And you saw, like... When Bones is spending time with him, you saw, like, this childlike joy from her. Yeah. She trusted him. She cares for him. She cares what he thinks of her. And when she heard what he was saying... She was crushed. Oh, yeah. It broke her heart. Crushed. She's like, I... She's like, that's not accurate. That's not true. How could you say... And then when he took personal hits, yo... Dude... No. Like, to me, that's an evil person. That's not just business. That's not, oh, this is how it works. No. No. That was wrong. He was straight up down and dirty. He's a bad dude. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's because he's Hallmark hot. Yes. He's not even real. (laughs) Not the real type of hot. That's why. He's not Booth hot. (laughs) He's not Booth hot at all. So, so they... You know, mm-hmm. they basically get out of there. And yeah. the AUSA, the consultant, Bones, and Booth, they argue on whether to put Bones back on the stand to rebut Michael's testimony Um, here. And like I said, the AUSA says that the judge chastised Michael, which honestly did nothing. Yeah. She could have absolutely chewed him out. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. But then in the next scene... Again, um, you see, like, Booth is literally defending oh, yes. 
Bones again. And Bones, like, he, she's, he's like, oh, yeah, I agree with her. And Bones is like, thanks. And he goes, I, I didn't really agree with you. I just don't like her. Mm-hmm. Like, he does not like the <laughs> He's got her back consultant. even if he doesn't agree with her. Exactly. <laughs> so in the next scene, she goes, she's in her office and Dr. Goodman shows up to kind of comfort her. We all love Dr. Yes. Goodman. Like, if Mufasa had a brother that was good, he would be voiced by this man. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Just Hands throw down. Scar away. Let's take Dr. Goodman. <laughs> so basically he tells Bones and reveals to her that Michael was up for the same job at the Jeffersonian, but he chose her over him because she was more rational and she, she actually, was smarter, even though he cared. had more experience. She actually cared about, you know, what yes. the job is. The biggest difference between Bones and Michael is that Bones genuinely cares about the victim. She has a heart. And the truth. But Michael only cares about being right and being the best. Yeah. Regardless of who's smarter, I think that Bones makes a better forensic anthropologist. Dude, when Dr. Goodman revealed, like, you know, his reasoning why he hired Bones over Michael, mm-hmm. what got me is how, when he said, if he tries to make you feel any different, just tell Michael he can go to hell. Yes! And I'm like, yes! Thank Dr. you, Dr. Goodman. Goodman! Thank you! And Bones definitely used that. She's mm-hmm. literally, that literally was next scene. The thing I love about it. Bones is... <laughs> She will she will put those things into practice when someone gives her advice. Yeah, because she literally <laughs> did it. He starts talking to her. And he, she's like, she questioned, like, are you doing yeah. this? And he, she's like, go to hell. Yeah, so outside, <laughs> so they're back at the courthouse. And Michael approaches Bones. And he's trying to, like, redeem himself. He's like, look, it's just business. Here's and what's ironic. I thought they weren't supposed to talk. Mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. the court case. But here you approached her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, master Ooh. manipulator. Go to hell. Go to hell. <laughs> hell she rips she rips him a new one here in a very emotional scene like basically saying that he compromised his morals yes you know so it was just so satisfying because she kicked him off the pedestal that that they both put him on and like the story that she tells about how when they were in the foreign country and they were held by gunpoint by the soldiers because they were like um exhuming bodies or no they were dealing with remains Mm -hmm. and then they were you know the soldiers were there and they were saying that those soldiers are probably the ones who killed these remains Mm -hmm. and she was 23 Mm -hmm. and she was even telling like i'm scared like i was scared what do we do and what do we do and he said you know we find the truth we don't flinch we don't flinch and she's like you flinched michael and walks off like i can't even find the words to describe this to describe the scene, like... Just a straight-up burn. It's not even that, like, she's... Dis- it's, like, disappointment and betrayal. There's got to be a word for it, but, like, she's just crushed. Her reality yeah. of Completely who this person distraught. was to her is destroyed. Completely distraught. Mm. Bones is queen. She is forever queen. So. <laughs> queen booth- of the lab? <laughs> queen of the lab. Yes. Oh, so. Gosh. So clearly, Luke gets bones on the stand. Yes, he, he does get her on the stand. He kind of makes a secret conversation with the AUSA that he's going to bring up her trauma of being an orphan to show the jury why she is the way she is. Because when Michael was on the stand, he kind of brought up brought it into question where he was like, "With findings like these, I wonder why she became a forensic anthropologist." So that's why Booth said they can actually use it. Is that true? Like, it technically, if it's I mean, brought up, if the can. judge allows it, then the judge allows it. I mean, yeah, this dumb judge allowed 
anything. So and technically, it worked. <laughs> you know, he the AUSA was right. The defense brought it up. Yeah. So they must have thought it was relevant. Yeah. And they're trying to destroy their expert witness, so they have to maintain her credibility. Yeah. So it it ends up working. But honestly, I didn't think they needed to hurt her like that, just so she could make sense. But again, I said, I blame movie magic. Yes. But, dude, round of applause for Emily Deschanel's Mm -hmm. acting for sure. It was amazing. It was so good. What I love so much about our character is that, okay, everyone sees her as this kind of Vulcan Spock character where mm-hmm. she doesn't show emotion she just sticks to the facts yeah but bones kind of more than anyone else in the show focuses and cares about the victim oh yeah for sure and this tactic of her like being able to being open vulnerable. up and and be vulnerable is so amazing like when she's talking about how she says i know exactly how she felt you yeah. know I know what she went through. I know her. You, it's funny because as a viewer, you felt yes. that speech. But as when you think about that scene, you're just like, she was able to put that in simple terms. Yes. It wasn't so hard after they broke her. Thank you, movie magic. Right. You jerk face. Right. Like, literally, that's what I mean. Is like, she could talk to him how she tells Booth so he understands. She didn't have to go into, like, yeah. all the big mumbo jumbo. Like, because clearly... It happens a lot in mm-hmm. general. Where everyone's like, what does that mean? Angela asks her. Booth asks her. Mm-hmm. She tells them. So when, you know, was it the AUSA? He even yeah. asked her, so in latent terms, this means... And she yes. goes, I just said that. Yeah. So I will agree with you. I will totally agree with you. They pushed this for the purpose of the story they were trying to tell. Absolutely. Movie magic. Yes, ma'am. That movie magic. Mm -mm -mm. So then they, they, you know, she gets off the stand. She's walking out the courthouse and Michael comes up and is trying to apologize. Nope. And Bones is hurt that Booth used her past against her. Mm-hmm. And um, Booth also lets us know that the Costellos are probably going to try and take a plea deal because Bones obliterated them. Mm-hmm. And when Booth says it was nothing personal, like, that's just the extra nail in the coffin. Because she constantly was hurt that day and victimized yeah. and kept and was kept being told that it was just business. That like it was nothing that, personal. It sucked. But everything they did to her th- was personal. But dude... When she walked away from Michael, I was like, boy, bye. Mm-hmm. But with Booth, I'm like, bro, you didn't have to do that. Like, that's pretty messed up. Like, I get it. It was your case, too. Mm-hmm. After Bones said those were private information mm-hmm. that you shouldn't have said. But still, that's um, that's Which kind of up. even goes back to what was the, the, the Boy in the Bush episode where Angela reveals that personal information to Booth. And then Booth reveals that personal information to the AUSA. Yup. Who then reveals that information to the entire freaking courtroom. Everyone just keeps, like, revealing bones. Like, why y'all keep doing her dirty like this? They, like, they put her on the verge of an emotional breakdown in this episode. Yeah. And they wonder why she's so cold. Hmm. Right? Because y'all keep breaking her. Like, it's very messed up. Yeah. So, anyways, they go, you know, they're back at the lab and... Booth comes in and um, 
you know, they let them know that, you know, the Costellos got sentenced or got convicted or whatever. Mm-hmm. But as kind of a, a peace offering, he says they've got a, a new case and they end up looking at a burned body on the Washington Monument. And, yeah. and they and make you, amends. And when they make amends, it's funny because even Bones, she itself, you could see how much, like, she, you know, she understands Booth. She mm-hmm. was able to easily forgive him. Yes. Because she's just like, you know, you had to do what you had to do. I probably would have had to do the same thing. Yes. And that smirk at the end. Come yeah. On. But Come on now. Come on, son. You know what else is at the end? There's no one else there at the crime scene but right. them two. Well, I mean, to be fair, <laughs> they're like, what, a zillion feet in the air? Yeah, but come on. <laughs> crime scene and there's only two of you? Come on. You know they got the budget. <laughs> <laughs> Movie magic. Movie magic. Oh, hmm. gosh. That was a um, good episode. I love that episode. Yep. That was, um, Michael, screw Michael. sucks. Screw Ugh. Michael. Like, ugh, what a character study. Like, clearly Death. an abusive person. Oh, for sure. Let's just throw him away. Yeah. Throw him over a cliff. We're done with you, Michael Styers. Bye, Michael. <laughs> See you later. See you never. All right, guys. That's the end of the commentary <sighs> section. We did it. We did. Okay. And now on to our true crime segment. So, hold on. I have to get my materials. Okay. I have my sideshow, and you are right. There are only two slides. Yes. It's not very um, photo-heavy this time. It's in color, so I'm assuming this is in the 21st century? Yes, ma'am. Dope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alrighty, so... I actually, one of my main sources for this is a book called Dark Heart, A True Story of Sex, Manipulation, and Murder by Kevin Flynn and Rebecca Lavoie. Okay. So I got this book from Barnes & Noble. If you guys are interested in reading it, it's very well written and very interesting. Okay. So, Elizabeth Marriott, or Marriott, Marriott, I don't know, was <laughs> born June 10th, 1993. She's um, not related to, like, the Marriott Hotel. No, no, alas, she is not. That was. So, in 2012, she was living with her aunt and uncle. How old is she? So, 2012, 12, 18, 19? 18, 19 years old. Okay. She's in college? Okay, okay. So she's living with her aunt and uncle in the town of Chester, Massachusetts, because it was closer to her college. Mm-hmm. So she was described as cheerful, loving, affable, and ditz- dizzy or ditzy. Like, yeah, it's weird. Probably like, ditzy. <laughs> calling not someone, dizzy. I feel like calling someone ditzy is not. That's like, so insulting. Yeah. That's incredibly like that. insulting. You're coming, you're calling like, them a dumbass. I feel like that's the one word that did not belong in the quote. But, it's like you're you calling know. someone an idiot. Yeah. But in but a she nice was not, way. Clearly she was not an idiot. She was very, very intelligent. She loved Harry Potter, all things magical. She in, embraced fantasy literature, sci-fi, mm-hmm. you know, like nerd culture, like, you know, the cool stuff. nerd culture the of cool the 25th culture. century. The, the cool real culture. stuff, okay. All right. She was very talented. For her junior prom, she made her own dress. 
So she's creative, for yes. sure. Multi-talented. People found her to be lovable, witty, and trusting. Like, literally everyone who met her loved her. Mm-hmm. Obviously the perfect victim. Mm-hmm. Um, she would literally. volunteer at the Boston's New England Aquarium. Mm-hmm. She loved marine wildlife. Like, she wanted to be an ocean explorer. She was very, um, very fascinated by that. She had dreams. Mm -hmm. So when she was on break at college, she had gone back home to see her family in Massachusetts, and she met Brittany Atwood, who they worked part-time together at a grocery store. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lizzie instantly felt a connection with her. She ended up coming out as bisexual to her parents and started dating Brittany. Mm -hmm. They had a long-distance relationship while she was at school, um... So, but all in all, her life was going really good. Why is it long distance? Because, so she's on break visiting her parents, and then she goes back to live with her aunt and uncle. Where does her parents live? Her parents live in another city in Massachusetts. I forgot to write it down. But it's in Massachusetts. So Mm -hmm. they're still in the same state, but just different cities. Okay. Yeah. So, so, um, on October 9th, 2012, Mm -hmm. Lizzie didn't return home after hanging out at a friend's house. So there seems to be some kind of confusion. So Lizzie didn't have to necessarily check in with her aunt and uncle because, you know, she's an adult. She's in college. She can kind of come and go as she pleases. Yeah. And so they get kind of worried because they don't hear from her. And then the parents call her. And so, like, two days later, they're like, where the heck is Lizzie? Mm -hmm. So they call the police. And the police were able to find out through some of Lizzie's friends that she was going to go see a girl named Kat McDonough. Kat is one of her co-workers at Target, I believe. Okay. So one of the co-workers that worked with them there texted Kat and was asking if she had seen Lizzie that night. But Kat said that she hadn't. How old is Kat? Kat, um, so crap. Is she like older? Like They're, they're similar ages. So, like, 20s, maybe? Yeah, like, I think they're, like, a year or two apart. Okay. Darn, I thought that I wrote that down. Yeah, like, Lizzie's, like, 18, 19, so Kat could be, like, 20, 21. Yeah, they're very similar ages. Um, So, um, by piecing together kind of Lizzie's last known activities, they start looking more into Kat. And so, at the time, Kat's living with her boyfriend, Seth Mazalia. I'm assuming he's older, because he kind of looks older. Yes. So, like, mid-late 20s, I guess? So, he is... When he and Kat got together, she was 17 and he was 28. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh. Yes. This is, like, um, last episode. Mm Mm-hmm. So, three days after Lizzie's disappearance... (laughs) It's not that bad, but it's still bad. To me, it all depends on how old the youngest person is. And their maturity level. It's not that bad, but still bad. There's a lot of different parts to the to the to the recipe, um, but this one did not add up. All right, go for it. Okay, so Lizzie's three days after Lizzie's disappearance, investigators are convinced that Cat and Seth know something. So police bring them in for questioning at the same time, but they're mm-hmm. in separate rooms. Seth ends up telling a totally different story than Cat. Um, they speak with him for like 11 hours. And of course he's like denying anything is wrong. Um, and, but then he kind of gives and he told them that Lizzie was at their apartment the night she went missing. He says that there was sex 
and a mishapped BDSM accident. Accident? Mm-hmm. And Lizzie died. Uh, bless Excuse you. Me. Thank you. Um, so he said that after Lizzie died, he panicked and brought the body to Pierce Island, where the Piscataqua, Piscataqua River? Okay. Sorry, I'm, I'm butchering <laughs> that, and I'm really trying. It's okay. Um, meets the Atlantic Ocean, so he basically dumped her body in the river because he panicked. Okay. Law enforcement continued to search the river for weeks, but ultimately Lizzie's body's never been found. Still? Yep. Oh, my gosh. So, about two hours into Kat's interview, she's, you know, not answering any more questions. She gets told she's free to go, but she's waiting for Seth. Um, and that's kind of when things started to blow up. So eventually, this is Kat's first confession, okay? Okay. She says that on October 9th, 2012, Lizzie came over at around 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. At first, Kat says that Lizzie's death was an accident. You know, Seth was sitting and the two of them were kind of goofing around. They were watching a movie, playing cards, and they had consensual group sex. It started going from silly to sexual. So... And it, it got a little bit more intense. Kat said that Lizzie agreed to be tied up, tied up with bondage ropes. And it even has draws, um, a diaphragm on the harness. Oh. So Kat says, I tied a harness on myself before, but it was the first time it ever tied a harness on someone else. Dude. She tells them that Lizzie had a seizure, suffocated, and died as she was lying under her on the floor. Um, you would think, yo, if it's too tight, cut it off. So, Kat seems pretty detached, but she says, ultimately, like, it was too much to handle and she's freaking out. Okay? Um, So, Kat is charged with three counts involving hindering an investigation in order to have no further contact with Seth. Since they still didn't have Lizzie's body, they gave Kat a deal. Instead of a possible 20 year sen- 21 year sentence, she gets max three years. Um, if obviously, they tell a good her deal. where the body. If, if she tells where the body is, well, she they they dumped her in the river. Oh, so they both had the same story of dumping mm-hmm. her in the river. Yeah. So Seth okay. was arrested and charged with the murder of Lizzie. They Wait. Find- so what was the deal that they made with Kat for why she only got three years? Because. She didn't necessarily dump the body. <laughs> I mean, I kind of get more into it further. Because remember, oh, okay, I said okay. that's Kat's first confession. Okay, whatever. Okay. With Seth. <laughs> so Seth gets charged with the murder. They end up finding a pair of gloves. Um, Kat says OJ? That, mm-hmm. They find a pair of gloves. Because in Kat's second confession, she says that Seth put the gloves on. And strangled Lizzie. Bro! The police find clues about Seth's connection um, by finding his underwear behind the apartment building in the dumpster. And the (laughs) pair of black gloves and Lizzie's sweatshirt. What? So. This is the second confession. Well, I'm first going to tell you a little bit about Seth and Kat. Okay. Okay. But was that the second confession? Basically, okay. That I'll I'll get into a little bit more details, but the ults, the idea is that Seth strangled Lizzie. Okay, for that theory. Mm-hmm, that cat didn't suffocate her with the harness, with the bondage harness, but that Seth 
strangled her. her. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this book is so good because it gives you so much rich information about Lizzie and who she was as a person, Mm -hmm. as well as Seth and Kat. So you kind of get a full picture on how these events came to pass. Oh, wow. I'm really dumbing down a lot of information in here. For the purpose of not talking for the next nine hours, because that's how long the audiobook is for this. Oh my gosh. But I have some key things to point out that makes this a really interesting case. Like we said, if you guys want all the details, Pig told you what the book is. Yeah, it's called Dark Heart, A True Story of Sex, Manipulation, and Murder. Mm -hmm. So later on in the investigation, we learn that... um, that the story of Seth and Kat and how this all came to be is very interesting. So um, when Seth finally goes on trial, Kat's now um, testifying against him, mm-hmm. saying that Lizzie was murdered by Seth in front of Kat's own eyes. So Seth and Kat met in the summer of 2011. They they both had a love for, you know, community theater. Kat was 17 and Seth was 28. Kat's very impressionable. How did they meet? That community theater. Com- okay, community theater. Okay. Mm-hmm. They both wanted to be actors. I was thinking like high school theater. I was like, wait, no, what? Community, community theater. theater. Okay, so okay. Kat's mom was kind of a part-time actress and he was a, he, they had a lot of different interests, but they both really loved the theater. Mm-hmm. So um, Kat seemed to be very impressionable very imaginative. She had an alter ego named Scarlet that she would kind of tap into, kind of like live action role play kind of a thing. You know, these are like D&D kind of people, like Dungeons and Dragons type of people. I got you. I okay. got you. She's obsessed with Disney. So like picture well, that's the, the kind of person she is. <laughs> so both um, Kat and Seth had this desire to be famous actors and they enjoyed live action role play, sci-fi related communities, Dungeons and Dragons, things like that. Which, for all intents and purposes, not bad stuff. Pretty cool. Relatively normal. Relatively normal. Well, it seemed that he started manipulating Kat from the start. What? Um, He... Well, yeah. He basically (laughs) eventually made moves to isolate her from the rest of her family. Um, She didn't have the best home life. It wasn't necessarily abusive, but her and her dad had a very distant relationship. She went from one messed up relationship to a literally Mm -hmm. abusive relationship. So there's this one page. Sorry, I have a lot of things that I want to read directly from the book. So when they go on their first date, kind of an example of how he manipulates her. So she seems to have this very rich imagination. And they both kind of confess to each other that they each have these alter egos that they kind of role play in so after their first date he says to her did you have any trouble sleeping seth asked cat on facebook after the date she says no why he says i felt scarlet cat's alter ego invading my astral space last night he said just noting in case there was a blackout on your end Kate, uh, Kat felt exhilarated. Was this for real? Could her cat persona be something more than just a pretend personality? What the fuck? So they have a lot of this where they end up creating this rich kind of sexual fantasy life where he, it's almost like he's possessed by these different alter egos and ultimately Kat becomes 
his full-time submissive while he's her dominant. Okay. What the heck? Like, the, this man is he's just the purpose recipe angry. for horrible. I'm only going to make you mad <laughs> he's as I continue. making me angry. So he's also the type of guy who wanted to be a cop. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know my theories about different types of people who want to be cops. Mm-hmm. He's one of those type of people where clearly mm-hmm. he wants to I know exercise exactly what you're talking his about. own his dominance over people. And I can't remember the page that I was on, but basically he and Kat were talking. He said that he wanted to be um, a cop and then eventually quit and start his own security firm, and then eventually have a bunch of people who are like his soldiers. Like, this guy sucks at every level. He wants people to obey him. Yes. At every level of his life. So to be a dictator. He has, clearly has a personal personality disorder and is a pathological liar. Oh, hell yeah. Are you sure he doesn't have a split personality? Well, that's what he's trying to say. Remember, he's got all these different alter egos. Yeah, but I'm wondering if that's real. Like, does he really have split personality disorder? Here's the stigma. So it's not called split personality disorder anymore. It's called dissociative identity disorder. And most people who have that, it's a result from childhood trauma. And their alters are used to help them cope with their surroundings. Do you have anything about his childhood? Yes and no. It's just Mm. kind of, he's just a dick. But, like, when it comes to people with dissociative identity disorder, it's very rare that they're ever committing any crimes or being violent. It's more of a dissociation to cope with their childhood trauma. So, for him, to me, I think he just has a personality disorder. Like, maybe he has psycho he clearly has psychopathic traits or something i don't want to put a label on it because i because i i mean i'm not a doctor i can't diagnose him but clearly he's got some kind of personality disorder literally driving me crazy so here's an example of like his like when i think of these different traits it kind of leads me to more thinking psychopathy i know there's kind of a a a hinkiness about the different definitions but one of these things about lying to kind of show grandiosity that you don't think it's maybe a sociopath so i think at least from my understanding sociopaths are made and psychopaths are born interesting um psychopaths it's like largely a result from their environment as children Mm -hmm. and then psychopath is there's a but Yeah, sociopath is like your environment, you know, creating you into this person. And then I I believe, and somebody please correct me if I'm wrong, psychopath is more along the lines of you were born without your brain making those connections or some part of your emotional development. It's a chemical imbalance, basically. Something like that. Okay. So I think, because I don't really know much about whether or not his childhood was abusive. Yeah. But he just seems to be described by everyone he knows as clearly a bad dude. All right, so go on. Mm-hmm. So um, so he tells this story in college. This particular moment I feel like is really telling. He claimed that he had a, he had a girlfriend named Natasha and that they had walked alone through a Troy Park one night and a mugger jumped from the bushes intending to rob them. The man pulled out a gun, pointed it at them both, and made threatening demands. Seth said the mugger... Then turned the gun on Seth and pulled the trigger, but Natasha threw herself in front of the speeding bullet. It caught her in the chest, and she stumbled back into Seth's arms. The mugger ran off into the darkness, and Seth slumped to the ground, holding the love of his life 
you know, in his chest and that she died. Is that a story or is that what he... He says that that really happened to him, that Natasha was his girlfriend. Now, not only was has no one in Troy ever been arrested in that time frame for a shooting the way Seth described, the Troy police have no reports of the incident. There's no news clippings that exist of the mention of the homicide in the park, um, nor a person who had this crime committed against them named Natasha. So clearly he's making this up. It sounds a lot like a fantasy of someone who's sacrificing themselves for him so he can be master. Yes. So, so Mm. he, you know, he grossed out everyone around him, um, the he had a reputation of being a flirt um at the at the, his community theater they said he was not smooth while he was too polite to sit, that while they were too polite to say it to his face many women Turned like felt down. that he gave them the ick you know like he was e- weird yikes um and he obviously had a very vivid imagination Mm -hmm. and used it to bring cat under his control and it worked for her though so this quote from the book says seth seemed to believe that there were other entities on other spiritual planes perhaps from past lives that were tethered to his current existence he told cat that he had not one but many of these personas he sometimes held them responsible for his life's difficulties he turned to the more reliable ones for directions or major decisions Mm -hmm. the personas offered him guidance as well as excuses for his failures so from what i know neither him nor cat has have ever been diagnosed with a mental disorder so that's why i don't say dissociative identity but basically they seem to have very vivid imaginations, and he hides in this world because in this world, he's cool, he's interesting, mm-hmm. and he's got superpowers. Mm-hmm. And now, he's using this stuff on Cat because Cat kind of already has, like, this alter ego. She's into sci-fi stuff. They're both into role play. But he grabs her and takes her to the next level. Um, oh, boy. He clearly was grooming her. Um, oh, for sure. He... Covered his tracks pretty well in their relationship, where he would even have her delete Facebook messages from them so that no one could see how they were talking to each other. What? You know, and he eventually pulled Kat away from her family. So the reason why I tell you these different things is because I feel like Kat is an additional victim slash bystander in this case. So the only reason, though, that Lizzie met Seth is through Cat, though, mm-hmm. because they it's worked almost at like the same an place. Epstein thing, or so, like an, was it R. Kelly? Yeah. One of them so two? I get even further yeah. into that; it goes even deeper. So Ooh, I give you that no. background to understand why Cat ends up doing the things that she does, because Ooh. a lot of the times when we see these kinds of scenarios, obviously what Cat did isn't right, but. Mm. But usually there's a reason as there's to why she did it. She's been conditioned at this point. Mm-hmm. So they're into BDSM. BDSM is bondage, discipline, domination, submission, sadism, masochism. It's a it's a style of play that people enjoy and get style sexual gratification play. from. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Kat and Seth are both into this. Now, Seth is kind of like her first real relationship. And most of the, and he is very, very rough. So... BDSM kind of gets the stigma of being abusive 
But for most people who engage in it, it's about, you know, the role play. It's called play, but ultimately they're doing it with people that they trust and genuinely care for. Yeah. Seth seems to be the kind of guy who purely gets satisfaction from only dominating people and not actually having a loving, caring relationship. Yeah. So when he's with Kat and they're, like, having their sexual time, like, he doesn't give her a safe word. Like, she doesn't even know what that is. So basically, he, like, beats he the crap out of her. He just goes at it. Like, even if, like, she can't take it anymore, mm-hmm. he they just... Ca- yep. They called their apartment their lair. Okay? Okay. When Kat was going to camp... She was supposed to find Seth a temporary sex slave, but failed to do so. She was putting up ads on websites. She was trying everything. On Craigslist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she failed to do so. So he told her that she was going to be violently punished for days. And that the second part of her punishment was that when she got back from camp, she had to find them a third sexual partner because Kat was bisexual as well. Um, and Albert... So hence why Lizzie kind of fell into this. So everyone in her real life was totally put off by Seth. And so she's desperate, okay? Like, the way he violently sexually punishes her is pretty horrifying. Um... Oh, they talk about it in the book? Yeah. Yeah, you guys, if you want to read it, you yeah, can. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So, so she's terrified. She's getting desperate. She needs to find somebody. And she thinks of Lizzie. Lizzie is amazing, funny, and smart. They actually get along really well. Like, they're at work. Like, they're interested in the same things. She's also bisexual. She's also bisexual. Exactly. So she fits the shoe. Mm-hmm. So on October 2nd, 2012, she invites Lizzie over. And they're watching the Avengers movie. And before the movie ended, Seth comes home. And they kind of have some small talk, you know, and Seth is like, yes, this is the girl. This is our third. Okay. Does Lizzie even know? No. She does <gasps> not know. Lizzie is in a committed relationship with Brittany. Lizzie just going she was over going to, a, to friend's a friend's house. house. Mm-hmm. But Kat kind of tricked her. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like the trial run. So October 9th, Lizzie comes over again. They watch a movie. Because she's thinking it's a friend. Mm-hmm. They play strip poker. And Lizzie, like, probably had no idea that this was going to be sexual. Like, even though they're playing strip poker, they're teenagers. Okay? Oh. They're teenagers. Lizzie and Kat are teenagers. Seth is a grown man. Because they're, like, 18, mm-hmm. 17, 18. Yes. So Kat ends up naked. Lizzie's in her underwear. Seth suggests that Kat should start kissing Lizzie. But Lizzie's not into it because she has a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Seth asks Lizzie if he'd have sex with Kat um, in front of her. Like, if he'd have sex with her in front of Kat. And Lizzie's like, no. So Seth is pissed. And he does not like to be told no. So while Kat and Lizzie sat on the floor watching a movie... Seth quietly puts on the gloves, grabs a rope, um, moves up behind her and pulls the rope around her neck and strangles her and while Kat, she's sitting right next to Kat. And Kat lets it happen. Yeah. Does I think... Kat think it's, like, I think she's probably play? in shock. Uh, like, could you imagine... Just casually... You're some... sitting there watching a movie. Yeah. And the, the person that you're with, who is your 
partner, the love of your life, but also terrifies the hell out of you. Just casually. Just casually strangles your friend who's sitting right next to you. I don't know how I would react. I think I would either be in shock. Or I'd be screaming. Or screaming. Right. So, Kat was frozen. Uh, so for a character, she was frozen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So Roberta, that's, um, that sucks. Roberta Gherkin, who's a friend of Seth's, mm-hmm. um, she ends up testifying at the tribal trial. Basically, tribal. <laughs> trial. She got a call from Kat that night, so she the comes night over. that it happened. Mm-hmm. So she comes over with her boyfriend Paul, and they see the body on the floor next to the bed. Seth is rocking back and forth, saying he's gone too far. Kat's in the fetal position in the kitchen. Not wanting to get involved. So both of them are panicking right now. Mm-hmm. Roberta and Paul don't want to get involved. So they leave. They don't call 911. They tell Seth and Kat to get an ambulance. And I mean, I don't blame them for leaving, but they still should have at least, mm-hmm. you know, done something. They never... But. That, that's it. And, um... Then Kat says that after they had left, Seth came over to her while she was still curled up. He held out his arm and said, come on, we're in this together. And together, they drove 13 miles from the apartment to New Hampshire coast. They brought Lizzie's body wrapped in a tarp and stuffed in a suitcase. What is and up with the suitcase stuff? Why is everyone shoving bodies in suitcases? It's, it's clearly more common than you think. It's crazy. So they but took not at the same time. They took her body out of the suitcase and they pushed her off a cliff. Oh, a cliff? Mm-hmm. Holy crap. But instead of landing in the water, her body landed on the rocks. Oh, shit. So because Seth was out of breath, he made Lizzie go down to the water and push... He made... Sorry. He made Kat go down and push Lizzie's body into the water. Oh, no. So Seth argues that it was all Kat and he didn't do anything wrong. He argues that Kat's first testimony was the truth, but that... But ultimately, the physical evidence against him is too strong, even without Lizzie's body. They, yeah. The test results on his underwear matched Lizzie's, like, the D- the DNA was a match on Lizzie. Mm-hmm. So, um, clearly he, I don't know whether it was before or after, but he um, assaulted her. So... Seth was found guilty of first-degree murder by strangulation, and guilty of first-degree rape, murder, and guilty on two counts of conspiracy. Mm -hmm. Lizzie's family doesn't necessarily blame Kat. They believe that she was a victim in an abusive relationship, and that if she had never met Seth, Kat would have never committed a crime like this. Um, Some of the jurors... Lizzie's family. Oh my goodness, they are. Some of... Some of uh, the jurors felt that Kat got off too easy. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But the judge sentenced Seth, Seth to life in prison without the chance of parole. Mm-hmm. And Kat was released in 2016. She got three years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. If you want to listen to the victim impact statement of Lizzie's girlfriend on mm-hmm. YouTube, it's on there. And she does an amazing job of talking about the kind of person that Lizzie was. Did like, she talk about how, like, her reaction, how that Yes, she basically her? is horrified because 
Lizzie was the love of her life. Like, mm-hmm. when they got together, they both felt like it was this amazing connection. They were best friends. And um, Brittany basically says, you know, she'll never forgive them from taking away Lizzie, who was such a light in this world. Like, she was so knowledgeable about marine life and was get so excited. There is actually, this also one story, um, when she was working at, at a at a convenience store Mm -hmm. and just kind of telling you the kind of person she was. So she says one night a mother was screaming with a screaming baby rolled into the section where Lizzie was folding shirts. Mm -hmm. Um, sorry, a retail store. The (laughs) woman probably immune by now to the sound of her son's cries, ignored the child while she browsed the racks instead of pitching her own fit. And, um, about this reversal of fortune, Lizzie played peekaboo with the child across the shelving and made funny faces. The boy settled down and the mother never knew why. She wrote about the incident on her Facebook page. Lizzie said, cry, sis, C-R-Y, averted. (laughs) She was punny, you know. That's funny. Um, Punny. Yes. (laughs) Stop yourself. So she, this book, like I said, it does a really good job of kind of explaining each key player in this and why everything happened the way it did. And I don't even go into detail of just how abusive and manipulative Seth was over Kat in her life. Yeah, because it's um heavy. And it seems, and it's to me, it seems more than, I'm weighing it more than just on Kat's testimony because it seems that everyone else in his life corroborated that Seth was a pretty bad dude. That's sad. So... My my connection to the Bones episode is obviously the um, the threesome element, mm-hmm. the bondage BDSM yeah. element, yeah, but also the manipulative person element of it all. It's almost like Seth is Michael, yeah, but worse, but worse than Michael, yeah, because he's real. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the 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 death of. Um, and murder of Lizzie Marriott. Again, the book is called Dark Hearts, A True Story of Sex, Manipulation, and Murder by Kevin Flynn and Rebecca Lavoie. Wow. That's, yeah. um, that makes me angry. Mm-hmm. When I was so reading this, when I tell you, when dude. I was reading this, I was so absolutely frustrated reading it, hearing about the type of man that Seth was and the things that he would say and do and the fact that cat was okay with it but she was already groomed and it all had to do with this these um like they had their own fantasy world where he would threaten her with different alter egos that were gonna punish her and this and that makes me think of that movie split Mm -hmm. yeah and she's she's a teenager (sighs) a teenager that's um no just dude come on horrible horrible that's not okay yeah come on now that's um no that's not okay yes but um unlike the case that i did before of jerry hillard and marilyn green you can find a lot of pictures of lizzie marriott on the internet and read a lot about her life and the kind of person she was and what she meant to those that loved her that's good yeah so that's the case guys that poor girl i know it's horrible absolutely <sighs> horrible. 
Alrighty. You guys still here? <laughs> Hang out. We're here. Go through this with us. Hang with us, y'all. Hang with us. I'm, I'm, um, next yep. week, we have an amazing episode because it's the man in the fallout shelter. What? I've been waiting for this episode. Woo. It's a great one. Um, I have a, a, we have a so many case thoughts. lined up for it. We both already have so many thoughts. This is one of my favorite episodes ever. Oh, yes. Chef's Kiss. So, Such a good episode. If we bummed you out here, which we kind of do a lot, um, <laughs> stay tuned next week and um, have a palate cleanser. Go watch a video of cute animals. You don't want to ask them if we haven't turned them off? Yeah. I mean, clearly, if, if you're still here, <laughs> please don't leave. <laughs> don't leave us. Let's hang out. If we haven't turned you off, please stay turned on with us. <laughs> don't leave us. Hang out with those guys. Let's next hang week. out. Let's hang. Let's chill. Catch y'all next week. Right, bye. Bye. Next week on the Heart and the Bones, Race's Coffee. That one was hot. So Kool Aid. You in five minutes. Uh, YouTube videos. Just look them up if you want to laugh. They're great funny. stuff. They're old but fun. <laughs> old? Don't say they're old. They're old. Now. They're not that old. They're very cheesy. Ugh.